Thanks for tuning into House Things, a podcast and radio show from the David A. Howe Public Library, recorded right here in Wellsville, New York. Uh, it's Band Books Week, so I have a special guest with me today. My special guest has been on the podcast in its earlier versions, back on the All the Book Show. He's here with us every week, musically. Today, he's 30 and flirty. It's Ben Lehman. Ben, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. It's been a while. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to have you back. And right away, we just got to acknowledge, this is your 30th birthday. It's happening right now. That is correct. I am officially wow. 30 as of September the wow. 20th, which is the wow, wow, date wow. of recording. This is a really narrow window where you and I are both in our 30s at the same time. That is true. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure how I got here, how I made it this yeah. far, but um, yeah. well, we will see it. what the future holds. You did it. Wow. Well, thanks for spending your birthday with me talking about a very frustrating topic, <laughs> and that is banned books. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm all about it. I mean, all not. About it. Right, of course. Yeah, the, which is which is good. Yeah, because I wanted to get that out of the way because I, I wanted to have you on to talk about this, but I should have checked before we started. Your stance on banning books, pro or con? What do you Is book banning thumbs up, thumbs down? What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with a firm thumbs down so, on so that you're one. Not in favor of banning books. No, oh, absolutely. Okay. Banning okay. books is, is officially, the official Ben Lehman stance is not good. Coming out strong against banning books. That's good, because this would have been a really awkward episode had you said anything <laughs> else. Yeah, no. So, well, I've got the list of the most challenged books uh, for this year. I've read a couple, and I know that you've read a couple. So we'll get into that in a minute. But before we start talking about downer things, let's open up our books and see where our bookmarks are at. Ben, that was you. Yeah, that was you was playing me. that song in, what, 2014? So long ago. A whole chorus of me's. What have you been reading? What have you been getting into lately? Anything good? I've been hitting a couple book walls. Um, oh I started, yeah. I've bounced off a couple of books recently. I bounced off um, The Chocolate War by Robert Cormier, and I thought I would give okay. Blonde a try, Joyce Carol Oates. I, 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 oh. Um, and I was like, this is, I don't know. <laughs> so, I, I mean, the writing is super engaging, but it's also very, I mean, it, it sort of slowly unravels, and I just have to yeah. be in a certain mindset. I, I think. I eventually want to get back to it, but it'll probably take me a very long time. That's kind of what happened to me. I read, I probably half, I probably read half of Blonde and then was like, this is just, this is making me a sad person. I have to stop. And I went back to it, you know, several months later, just kind of picked it up where I left off and finished it. And I do really appreciate that book. I think it's an expertly written book, but it is, uh, yeah, it's heavy and it's unsettling mm. and it's upsetting all around. Yeah. So trying to balance that with some other stuff. Um, the most yeah. recent book I finished was a book called The Dead Fathers Club. <laughs> a lot of fun light stuff you're picking up. Yeah, there. well, so um, it's by Matt Haig, who I believe is the same author as The Midnight Library. Um, I oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was that, like, yeah. why do I know that name? You're right. It is Midnight Library. Um, so this is, it's a, it's a young adult novel, and I didn't realize until after I started it that it's a retelling of Hamlet. Um, oh. But it's 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 pretty original, I would say. Uh, I mean, I didn't, you know, it didn't even dawn on me until I actually read yeah. the, because um, really I was immediately pulled in by the the title and the book jacket. I was expecting a tone a little bit more like 
something like the graveyard book but okay. honestly it's it's not like that at all it's it's pretty dark and I, I don't know if I would recommend the main character is is 11, but I, I definitely don't think I would recommend it for that age. Not, not an 11 year old. <laughs> but I, I found it really, really well written. Um, I mm. really enjoyed it. Yeah, it went a lot deeper than I would have expected it to. OK, that sounds interesting. Have you read have you read the Midnight Library? I have not, um, no, I but either. definitely, yeah, definitely interested now okay. based on, yeah, based on his. And then I just finished the graphic novel Nimona. Oh, yeah. By, yeah, Noel Stevenson. Yeah. I really like that one also. That's cool. I, I haven't gotten into that one, but I see it all the time. I mean, it's it's on a, a million lists. And I feel like it's always on like YA graphic novel displays and things. It, you know, it's got yeah, a lot of, a lot it's, of it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I didn't. Again, this is another thing I didn't know. I think it started as a webcomic. That makes sense. The world building is very minimal, but it just kind of throws you into this part fantasy, part technologically advanced hospitals. And yeah. um, so it's like a world of magic and dragons, but, you know, also guns. And OK, OK. Um, so it's like medieval steampunk almost. Oh, there's so many different elements you're throwing at me. OK, all right. But it, I would say the actual world building is somewhat surface level. It's just like, here's what it is. Deal with it. Okay. But yeah, I found it. I found it pretty charming. Um, it's a little tropey, but yeah. like, I enjoyed it. Hmm. Well, everything you're saying makes perfect sense to me if it was a webtoon first, because I think you know we did an episode about this uh, a while back, and one of the things I learned in that deep dive was just how different that kind of short form storytelling is. You know, when, when you read something like I just recently read through Heartstopper on the Webtoon app versus the the paperback, just a totally different experience. And I think there are certain things like like world building and some of the development that you just have to be like, you know, look, they've got whatever three panels or however, you know, however much space to get this story out. And so you're going to have to do some of the work yourself. And I think that's kind of an interesting trend in, in things like comics and graphic novels as of late. At the same time, though, like I would have almost preferred just because of the way the the plot progressed, like I would almost preferred like a little bit more of like at the very end of the book, they they threw like after the plot was over, they threw in these like special um, holiday oh. web comics that they published. Yeah. Um, and they were I mean, they were so cute. They were so charming. And I was mm. like, I feel like I would prefer like a little more of that um, versus, you know, oh. we have to set up this conflict. And then, right. you know, okay. it, was, it felt I'm not going to say by the numbers because I, I did really enjoy it. But yeah, I would have preferred a little bit more of that. A little felt like it would have added a little more flavor. Kind of yeah. Hmm, but at the same time, though, I would I would recommend it. I, I really enjoyed that. I mean, the art is beautiful. Yeah, it always looks cool. Yeah. One of the things, though, it's like the book bindings like tight. So I'm always like there's always this beautiful art that's getting sucked <laughs> towards the middle of the page. Um, that yeah. always bugs me. Yeah. But again, not the author's fault. Yeah. Enjoy the book. True. Well, I think <laughs> we find that all the time. I see the books that are on repair and stuff. And I think books like that do people tend to like really try to yank those open. So I don't know why they don't make the end papers wider because that is a that's a common complaint. Mm -hmm. So you're not alone there. You mentioned the graveyard book, and uh, that's fun for two reasons. Number one, the first time you were ever on the David A. Howe Library podcast was a Neil Gaiman spotlight. Mm -hmm. And uh, people can still listen to that on the library's YouTube page. 
It's one of the most popular episodes from the All the Books era of the podcast. So that's fun. But also, we've been doing this Discord book club where the library has a Discord server. Uh, and we have done a monthly book club, usually graphic novel focused. The one we did most recently was She-Hulk talking about uh, the comics and the the show. For Halloween in October, we're going to be doing the Graveyard Book. Uh, and there's, you know, there is a, the novel version and then there's the there's a two part graphic novel adaptation. So I'm planning to read the graphic novel version of it. Have you read the graphic novel? Uh, or just, just yeah, the just the prose? just the book. OK, yeah. two thumbs up. You, you're a fan of the Graveyard. Yeah, book? I, I really enjoyed it. It's probably close to my favorite game in that I've read. Nice. Have you done any of the I know like the Sandman show seems to be in the news constantly. Are you up on that or no? I did watch the first episode of the Sandman and I think I will continue, but um didn't knock your socks off. I think a lot of uh a lot of times with Neil Gaiman, he'll introduce a lot of these fantastical elements and then it'll just be like here this is what it is, but there's no there's no it doesn't necessarily congeal together in a uh, uniform way for me where it's like this it's okay. it's all part of the world the graveyard book did that for me but something like neverwhere didn't quite like i do like that book but it didn't quite no didn't reach the same heights maybe you were more open to the to the loosey-goosey type of storytelling in your 20s but now that you're 30s <laughs> it's all over baby you know, yeah just more rigid and you need you know you need your meat and potatoes kind of story maybe that's, that's all it is just aging it's, yeah it's possible yeah, yeah. I formed this opinion as of midnight this morning. So did you? Yeah, <laughs> you've, been you've been busy. Big start. Um, have Big you start. watched any of the Sandman show? No, you know I I haven't read a ton of Neil Gaiman, um, and I have never read the original Sandman. I didn't watch the show. Eric, speaking of the old old days on the All mm -hmm. the Book Show, was always like, "You should never read the Sandman. It's too dark for you. It will destroy your soul." And so I took him. I took his word, and I I never have. So. The show, no, the show had some pretty, pretty dark moments. So, yeah. and that was only the first episode, so yeah, I mm. don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm too, I'm too soft. I'm too much of a, of a chicken, maybe for it. Uh, I have been reading some fun stuff though. I just finished a, a YA called Azar on Fire. It's by Olivia Tahi, and this was, uh, this was one that I definitely, I saw the cover and was like, yeah, that looks like a fun book. And it is about this girl who has damaged vocal cords but she's always she wants to be in a rock band you know she's written all these songs but she can't sing and so she gets sort of coerced into participating in her school's battle of the band and ends up becoming the drummer and finding a singer who can sing the songs and stuff and so it's it's all about her processing her feelings about that and kind of adapting to being more of a writer than a singer and i don't know it was fun i had a good time with it i listened to it on audiobook and you know, a big part of the plot is that the, the the main character, Azar, has the damaged vocal cords. And so the reader, when she was reading dialogue, would kind of make a, a soft, raspy voice. And it would, like, give me a sore throat, like, just listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of wish I would have read it, but that was fun. We just did, uh, our last episode was on Batman Day, and so I was reading some Batman. I read one called Batman Year Two, which is by Mike W. Barr. Not a great Batman story. It's sort of about what if Batman kind of just gave up and and decided he was going to like use guns and like work with criminals kind of like the ends justify the means sort of a mindset just really doesn't work with the character and like it ends and you're kind of like well this has no impact on the character going forward so why did i waste my time 
you're not a big you don't you don't read that kind of comics you don't read like batman and stuff do you uh, no no i read year one oh, once yeah. upon a time and i liked it okay but yeah i i see what you're saying year one is a it's an interesting story um and i think this was kind of billed as like the sequel to to year one but it's not in any way mm. I think what year one had going for it was the commissioner Gordon narration and stuff just kind of puts you in a different headspace. And so if year two was meant to follow in that mold, it is very forgettable. Yeah. You know, that, that was a bit of a letdown. I'm currently reading happy go lucky by David Sedaris. I'm always thrilled when a new David Sedaris book comes out. Have you read him? Uh, yeah, I've read uh, several. I've read naked and uh, mm -hmm. me talk pretty one day. But... Okay. I don't know that I've ever been disappointed in in one of his books, and I this one seemed to come out pretty quickly. He's been he did the two volumes of his um, diaries, which I thought were pretty good, pretty fun to listen to, and then this one here, Happy Go Lucky. So I just started it. I'm not very far in. That's one where I do recommend the audiobook mm -hmm. because his reading of it is so fun. So, uh, yeah, that's my that's my current read of the moment. Are you watching anything good? Like, what's your current binge? Um, I don't know about binge. Uh, I've been slowly making my way through better call Saul. Um, oh, okay. yeah. I'm, I haven't watched breaking bad or better call Saul. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that you're missing out a uh, different stroke. Um, it's very, you know, as everybody says, like it's a slow burn, but at least with better call Saul, like the character work is so good. I, I mean, they just, mm. they managed to make the most banal things like feel energized and yeah, I'm, huh. I'm all about it. I'm, I'm all in. I don't know that I've ever heard a bad thing about those shows, so I'm not surprised to hear you say that. And then on the lesser side for me, at least, I uh, have been watching Rings of Power with my brother as it comes out. Oh, OK. OK. I haven't. We don't have we don't have Prime at the moment, so we're kind of waiting. It has some moments. It's pretty to look at. I'm such a fan of the Peter Jackson films. Uh, mm. And so I can see, to me, I can see a little bit more of the connective tissue with that than even The Hobbit. So that's a plus for me. But I think okay. narratively, uh, it's a little bit all over the place. I'm not, yeah, not I'm, I'm not hmm. enjoying most of the characters, but it's 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 nice to okay. look at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do want to get to it someday. We just haven't yet. We just finished one called Moonhaven, which is on AMC. And that was pretty good. It was about um, a colony on the moon where, whose purpose was to kind of figure out a, a path forward to revitalize and save the Earth, which is like on the on the edge of destruction. So kind of a I mean, the whole like the Earth is dying. What are we going to do is not a new premise. But I think the approach they took to it was and it starts with a murder mystery, which is cool. And it's a cool thread to go through. It's just six episodes. So it. It moved quickly, and I'm definitely like, all right, give us season two now. And then over on Apple, uh, my wife and I are watching one called Surface, which is about this woman who wakes up after a, a boating accident and has no memories. And there's all this stuff going on in her life, and she doesn't know who to trust. And, you know, she starts making decisions, and you're like, what are you doing? You know, so that's been that's been fun. But that definitely is a slow burn. I feel like you you have to watch at least two episodes just to, like, have have a plot development. This is giving me, like, woman in the water vibes a little bit we've also been watching the the show that um i guess speaking of uh neil gaiman adaptations we've been watching the show staged which is david Tennant and michael sheen and it's one they did over zoom during the pandemic and it's about how they were going to do a play and then this and then the pandemic kind of canceled the play but they're going to keep rehearsing the play via zoom um, and they all just kind of did it from their house like in 2020 
And so I, that's really fun so far. I just love both of those actors. So it's fun to just kind of see them riff together. Did they do American Gods together? It was Good Omens. That's Neil Gaiman, right? Good Omens. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. I think Good Omens is uh, yeah Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Oh, you're right. Together. Yep. yep. All right. Well, let's uh, let's roll into some book news. Look into the future to see what it proves. It's time for book news. So as we record here, we're in the midst of Hispanic Heritage Month. So I thought that I would pull this article from the Los Angeles Times called 11 Books to Read During Hispanic Heritage Month. So these are some new books coming out. The article is by Alex Espinoza, and we'll put this on the library Twitter. Uh, so you can follow that in all the book show for the podcast, D.A. Howe Library for the library. Here's a list. The Last Karankawas by Kimberly Garza. The time is 2008. Hurricane Ike is about to battle the Gulf Coast, unraveling the lives of a group of Mexican and Filipino residents in Galveston, Texas. Garza manages to expertly capture a range of voices in this stunning and elegant polyphonic novel published in August. Expect great things from this debut writer, says our author here, Alex Espinoza. Uh, number two on the list, High Risk Homosexual by Edgar Gomez. This book examines Latinx queer identity in all its layers while incisively critiquing the notion of machismo as a cultural marker. Number three, Locus by Exta Maya Murray. Murray's tale of two female gang members in East L.A. holding their own amid the violence and mayhem around them is searing and unapologetic, giving us a far more complicated depiction of Latino inner city life than what is typically offered. It sounds interesting. Book four on the list here, This Thing Between Us by Gus Marino. Alexa and Siri are no match for Itza, the sinister-voiced, controlled, smart assistant in Marino's heart-pounding horror novel, named a best book of the year by NPR in the New York Public Library. That sounds kind of fun. I'm always down for an evil AI taking over, you know? I'd be interested to see, like, a different spin on it. I yeah. feel like I, I have seen so many of those stories. it's true. So if it's if it's gotten such accolades, you know, yeah. it's... Must be worth checking out. Are you an X Files fan? Uh, no, I, I'm interested in it. It's it's always been on my like maybe I'll like I want to watch at some point yeah, in the future, but I've just not there's gotten so, around to so it. There's so much yeah, of it. It's a yeah. huge undertaking. Uh, my wife, you know, the ultimate X Files fan, and the uh, the most recent season they did, there was a really fun episode about basically that AI taking over. It was sort of like. It felt like it's just a little standalone, almost Twilight zone kind of episode where Mulder and Scully are sort of victim to smart houses and things, which I thought was, even though, you know, as you're pointing out here, that is a pretty common trope. I thought they made it work pretty well. That was pretty neat. Uh, I lost track of what number I'm on. So the next book on the list, <laughs> <laughs> Their Dogs Came With Them by Helena Maria Viramontes. The shadowy quarantine authority is but one of the many threats the four women at the heart of this novel must face. There's also violence, displacement, and the bulldozers tasked with flattening whole neighborhoods to make way for the construction of freeways. Finally on the list here, City of God by Gil Quadros. Quadros was only 34 when he died of AIDS in 1996. This book, a fusion of fiction and poetry, documents the lives of young men exploring their burgeoning sexuality as the AIDS crisis ripped through the queer Chicano community feed a lot of these books we have in the collection any we don't we can get for you it's a mix of new things and old things so it's a pretty comprehensive list so again we'll have that on the library twitter ben we got to talk about the elephant in the room and that is banned books oh boy here we go you know always a good time so every year ala pulls together a list of the books that were most challenged uh, throughout the u.s and these, these can be all over the place this is schools libraries bookstores whatever you know, book banning as it once was is not really something that's like common practice. So even though we throw around the term banned books, challenged books is a better description of what we're talking about here. 
ala.org slash advocacy slash bbooks uh, has a bunch of stuff, a bunch of information about the challenge books. It has lists from year to year. A lot of books show up perpetually. You know, they'll, they'll like The Handmaid's Tale seems like it's there, pops off for a couple of years, pops back on, whatever. So it's typically a mix of new and old things. And uh, it's uh, always frustrating, always weird. Do you have any experience with, um, have you ever been in a place where books were challenged or, you know, you saw a big uprising to a book? The closest example I could think of is Harry Potter. Uh, yes. Because uh, I, for a brief time when I was younger, I went to an international school and my third grade teacher read the whole class, the first two Harry Potter books. Once the parents found out, I mean, what, like, yeah, everyone wow. was freaking out. And so that was immediately. And then right after that, like, yeah, I personally was yeah. banned from reading. Mm. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. But it, that was one that did cause a lot of stir. And, there, you know, I feel like uh, that's debated even today. And not just because J.K. Rowling's a nightmare of a person, but because, you know, that that question, I think, remains of people who, you know, challenge it for religious reasons or whatever, that it's like promoting witchcraft or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's like in the same breath, it, it, it is the book, despite its flaws and despite, you know, problematic things that have come out authorized later on. It is a book that got, you know, a generation of kids to pick up a book and when they might not have otherwise. Mm -hmm. So. You can't deny influence in that way. I think you could debate what other influence it has, but yes. Specifically referenced in the you know memoir we're talking about today. Yeah. As yep. yeah, as the catalyst for learning how to read. Yeah, exactly. I remember there was a time I worked in a in an academic library, and there was a time when books kept like disappearing, and they tended to be like romance or or things like that that were. I don't know, you know, racy, I guess, by someone's standards. And I found out that somebody was hiding them. Like they, were, they weren't like throwing them away or stealing them or whatever. They were hiding them so that people couldn't find them. And that's such a subtle, that's such a subtle way to like censor, you know, because that's the real issue. I mean, that's what we're talking about, censorship in general. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think people discount what a slippery slope that can be. It's so frustrating. Like I was just reading about this. I think, I mean, I was going through some of the, like the Goodreads for, for the book that we're talking about. And like, mm -hmm. there's a group in, I want to say Florida, but that's probably just my internal, like, I just, I can't remember. There's, there's a, like a group that like, it's not just like, they're not calling for actually banning the books. They just have these banned list of, you know, challenge books and they circulate them with their group and then they just keep them perpetually checked out so it's like it's so insidious oh jeez <laughs> and i yeah it yeah it yeah. it makes me so mad what clever <laughs> what clever villainous <laughs> all right i'm going to i'm going to give you number 10 number 10 on the list beyond magenta by susan culkin abandon challenge for lgbtqia plus content and because it was considered to be sexually explicit so yeah, this is a this is a memoir, and it's at this point about ten years old, and it's like a collection of, you know, just people's individual stories, and sort of presented without filter or without, you know, commentary. Really, it's just kind of like, this is a, an experience somebody had. So I see this one pop up a lot because people are claiming that by telling those stories, that you're somehow like glorifying those things, or you're like rubber stamping all the things that happened. You know, I I don't understand banning or challenging memoirs you know because it's like these are just experiences that people have had you know and so like i don't know you know like i feel like it's there's the same conversation 
that we have just about every year whenever we do a banned books episode. But like when it comes to kids and kids reading and kids being curious, I don't feel as a parent that a book is more powerful than I am to talk to my son about things. You know what I mean? I just would never, my thought would never be like, oh no, he's going to read that book and then it's going to change his worldview forever. And he will never talk about it again. And we'll never, you know what I mean? I just think that's a weird responsibility to, to put outside of like yourself as a parent or just as a person. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, how dare we like legitimize one person's experience or, you know, yeah. And uh, I, I'm not a parent, but at the same time, like I, you know, at the very least, any one of these books, you know, is is always like conversation fodder. Like, uh, what, like, why wouldn't you want to discuss co- its complicated issues with your kid? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's always I don't know. I Let, let me I'll read a few more uh, <laughs> book, book number nine. <laughs> This book is gay by Juno Dawson. Reasons banned and challenged is relocated. Sometimes it's just relocated uh, and restricted for providing sexual education and LGBTQIA plus content. You know, we we've been doing these uh, Pride Month book club episodes. And two years ago, we did one called Red, White and Royal Blue. And I was reading it with my friend Bo. And I I read it and kind of thought that the sex scenes in it, it was, you know, it was two men. I kind of thought, oh, wow, those were more graphic than I was expected. And he was like, those were so tame. And it's like, that's just the thing. It's like, I'm so conditioned to like read stories about, you know, sex scenes that between a man and a woman or whatever, that like those, I just, I don't even think about it, you know, but reading something Mm -hmm. different than that stands out to you. And I feel like that's, that's what this whole list is about. It's like, this is different this stands out to me and so therefore it's like terrible and explicit you know Mm -hmm. and there's such a big leap to like this challenges my perception to like this thing should not exist right right exactly exactly and i think too you know when you talk about oh this this book is indoctrinating or whatever it's like so there's that book and there's like the 900 books around it that are you know that are professing what what somebody challenging this might say is like Mm -hmm. the norm it's like, so you think this one book is going to like outweigh like the 900 other books that are being like read that have similar content. But I, I just, I don't know. I get exhausted with it, you know, like I just have no patience for it. It's just so stupid. I mean, have you had library patrons come to you specifically to like complain about any of these books or a specific book that's not on one of these lists or content? I mean, the horror stories that I hear you know, from other communities and not, not a lot local. I honestly don't hear a lot of this local, but, you know, just reading things like journals and, you know, other like publications. I, some of the things that libraries and, and librarians face with this are so severe. I mean, there was that library in Michigan who had their budget shot down because they wouldn't remove things, you know, stuff like that. So intense. So I, the answer to your question is yes. I mean, I've, I've had specific books challenged a handful of times since I've been here. And, you know, every time we've just had a response to it, that's just kind of like, thanks for letting us know that this book offends you. We try to represent many different thought processes and, and, and experiences and worldviews. And if this book is not speaking to you, let me help you find one that does. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's not one or the other and we could never do that. So nothing has ever come beyond like, I don't think you should have this book here and then a conversation and then that's it. And the book stays. So I think locally you know here in wellsville i think we've been uh, really fortunate and had a pretty 
pretty open-minded community as far as that. So no, it hasn't been uh, something that I would say is a problem here, but you never know, you know, and like sometimes I hear things or see things like online that aren't necessarily directed at the library, but then I think like, oh, okay, well, you know, we, we have that book in the collection. So if that's being challenged elsewhere, it's only a matter of time. But again, I think people are pretty understanding about what a library is. And I, I think that is the norm. I think the majority of people would say that, you know, it's, it's the, the vocal extreme minority that says other things. Book number eight, The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. Uh, reasons banned and challenged because it depicts child sexual abuse and was considered sexually explicit. I haven't read that one. I've read Beloved, which is also, uh, a, a, I mean, it's a rough read and is has been on the challenge list many a times. Have you read much Toni Morrison? I have not. Uh, admittedly, uh, at one point, I was supposed to have read Beloved for a class of mine, and I you didn't do it. Read the first like chapter, but there's too much, too much going on at yeah, the time. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's rough. I mean, Beloved really is a rough read. Um, I've read Song of Solomon as well. That one's more of an odd read. I would say God Help the Child is probably my favorite. It's a multi generational story that she did, and. You know, it's it's not without its challenging topics, but I just feel like that's good. You know, like reading things that are different from my experience, even even rough or upsetting things. I guess I just feel like that's sort of how you gain empathy and understanding. Yeah, I mean, just to that specific, like uh, the book, I I'm sure it's shown up on one of these lists at some point. But the book "Speak" by Larry Hall sure. Anderson yeah, yeah. Um, has long been one of my favorites, just for like it, it. I mean, it's just the way that it talks about that issue, and and not only brings it to light, but yeah, just I don't know. I felt like I gained such a deeper understanding, even though it was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I even without that experience in me, like I felt like I could relate to that character so much. Um, and you know, high school kids need to be able to talk about these yeah. things because these things do happen. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. not on the list here, but it is often. That's one of the ones I was thinking of when I was saying like, it'll be on the list for a couple of years, go off for a couple of years, be on again. So yeah, it's not here. Uh, this next one is kind of interesting. Me, Earl and the Dying Girl by Jesse Andrews. Banned and challenged because it was considered sexually explicit and degrading to women. <laughs> this this brings up kind of a funny little, I mean, not funny, but a, a more complex thing for me because we actually did this book for a YA for Adults book club. Uh, and it is kind of degrading to women. Like it is, it is kind of, a, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think this is a, I didn't enjoy it as a reader. And I also kind of thought like, geez, I don't know if that's, if those are things that you want to be like impressing in young people's mind. And it's the same, it's the same conversation that, you know, the, the teen librarian and I hear, we were just kind of talking about things like Twilight and stuff like that, because Twilight, I, you know, it's super popular. You're familiar with Twilight. I mean, I don't know if you've read it or seen it. Uh, to, to a degree, okay. yeah. The, yeah. The core relationship in Twilight, in my reading of it, and, you know, through, through the book and the movies, uh, is a pretty abusive and unhealthy relationship, but it's presented in a way that, that kind of glorifies the suffering in the relationship, you know? And I feel like that is really damaging for young people to read something like that and think, wow, this is so romantic. This is how, you know, romance and love is supposed to be. I should feel terrible. You know, mm -hmm. it puts you in a weird place when you're the person who's purchasing books, you know, for, for public consumption. Because on the one hand, 
massively popular book. If we didn't have it, you know, we'd be getting asked about it all the time. We'd be having to place holds at other libraries or get it in from other places. But personally, like I, I don't think it's it's a very rewarding book for somebody to read. So, you know, that that brings up some complexity there. What do you think about that? I mean, it all goes back to like at the very baseline, it's going to be an opening to a conversation like you're not going to you can't prevent people from reading what they're interested in. But I don't know. I mean, you're right. It's a very complex topic. I felt I had some of the same feelings about 13 Reasons Why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like. When I read it, I was, you know, post high school, but like I was invested in the mystery of it, but at the same time acknowledging, I was like, this is like pretty not great. (laughs) I haven't read that one, but that is, it's about a suicide, right? Yeah, yeah. It can be taken to seen as as glorifying suicide yeah. to a degree. I guess I'd always depending heard, on who's reading it. Right. I'd always kind of yeah. heard that it that it, that it sort of romanticized that concept. Yeah, because you know? it's like, oh, here are the reasons that I killed myself. Here's why you should feel bad, and then then it's sort of like the vindication. Again, it's it's a, a book I understand. Yeah. Why it would get challenged, but. I wouldn't try to take that right, from somebody. Exactly. Well, I mean, it all it all comes back to that concept of censorship, like, and and it being a slippery slope. When do you stop? You know, like if I if I insert my judgment for what a, a person should or shouldn't read or have access to, you know, e- even with good intentions, what is the next step? Mm-hmm. Like, where do you go from there? How how do you find that line and everything? So it's just, you know, you just can't do it. I mean, to a certain extent, you have to trust people to make decisions for themselves and you know i think as a library we can make sure that we have the the full you know a full assortment of as i said viewpoints and things expressed so that we're you know we're we're showing and purchasing things that promote healthy lifestyles and things but that i don't think that means that we have the right or even the responsibility to be a wall to be like, no, I don't think that's good for you. So you can't have it. The next book on the list is one that I often associate with you. I feel like it's one of your favorite books. So you tell me if I'm wrong. The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexie. I wouldn't say favorite. I did enjoy it. Um, for a long time, Sherman Alexie was up there with some of my favorite yeah, authors. I, yeah. um, he's fallen in favor a little bit. Um, but uh, at the same time, yeah, I, Reservation Blues was the big one for him okay. that I really, really did enjoy. Yeah, I guess but, it's that author. I, I, Every time I see that author, I'm like, oh, that's the one Ben likes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I picked that book up on the basis of of enjoying this previous. And, I mean, I... It's, what, the, what, what, again, were the reasons? It was, like, sexual references, swearing. Yeah, uh, challenged for profanity, sexual references, and use of a derogatory term. Okay. I mean, it's been a while. I'm going to guess that the derogatory term was towards Native American. Probably uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, how how dare <laughs> Sherman Alexie write about his experience? Right, right. Uh, yeah. I do remember profanity, but, like, it's it's another one of those things where it's, like, these kids are, are all, say, like, seeing, saying, you're, like, you're never, never going to prevent. I mean complete exposure it's just it's it's also the question of what you were saying earlier about like it's not the library necessarily the library's responsibility and that as a like parent i'm sure you feel plenty of responsibility to a degree yeah right Um, yeah but yeah i most parents would rather you know put up that wall versus (laughs) 
like yeah. engaging with. I mean that that kind of stuff. I mean, just just something as as loose as profanity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unavoidable, you right. know. So like, if the steps you're taking to avoid that is to like ban books, like you're failing, mm-hmm. you know, like you're accomplishing nothing. But anyway, uh, number five, "The Hate You Give" by Angie Thomas. This one, when it came out, was on the bestseller list, the YA bestseller list for the New York Times for years made into a film it has angie thomas has written several others now concrete rose which i believe is a a prequel to this and on the come up i've read on the come up and really enjoyed it haven't read the hate you give banned and challenged for profanity violence and because it was thought to promote an anti-police message and indoctrination of social agenda yeah that was the big one at the time like when it first came out it was Mm -hmm. like so negative towards police that was the that was the thing i was hearing constantly is this one you've read I have read it. Um, it's, okay. It's yeah. It's been a few years. I did read it. I I enjoyed it. Did see the movie as well. Um, which I feel like the movie was generally pretty faithful. Okay. Yes, challenging authority is is present in the book. Um, but that's the whole issue through the book that the main character struggles with. It's you know bringing these issues to light in a way that young people can relate to. Yeah. You know, in a way that does directly impact their life. Yeah. If I remember correctly, like one of the main things that the main character struggles with is that her uncle um, is a cop and mm. is is by her descriptions like a, like she loves him is a very, you know, upstanding individual. But it's, you know, taking once you get into, you know, some of the more systemic issues, people are like, oh, no, like can't. <laughs> uh, can't yeah, we can't go that far. No, no, no. Like, forget it. Have you have you read on the come up? Or no, I have. Other? I've not read any of her other books. But, okay, but yeah, I would. On the come up was was a good time. Yeah, yeah. I keep meaning to get to this one, and I just haven't. Uh, number four on the list: "Out of Darkness" by Ashley Hope Perez. Banned, challenged, and restricted for depictions of abuse, and because it was considered to be sexually explicit. Number three on the list here, All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson. Reasons banned and challenged for LGBTQIA plus content profanity and because it was considered to be ex- sexually explicit. So this is another one that is an autobiography. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a memoir. It's, it's nonfiction. Um, it would probably be cataloged as juvenile nonfiction, so like YA mm-hmm. nonfiction. Um, it's, a really, it's very good. It's, it's really, it's well-written. Um, and it and it really does a good job of taking you through his experience, which differs so much from mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the course of his experience, figuring himself out, things that weren't talked about. Yeah, I mean, he definitely he experiences damaging and, and abusive, sexually abusive things. And those are presented in the book and him dealing with that are presented in the book. Um, but I feel like it was a really I don't know that I've ever seen it worked through in such a way so so concisely and so openly you know i think it has a really fine line of him saying this is how i dealt with this this is how i've come to terms with some of these abusive things i've experienced and he also goes the other step of being like you don't have to do that like you don't have to forgive anyone you don't have to you know you don't have to make amends or whatever like this is my experience you and he he lays out very clearly like i was abused this was all bad stuff and so it's not glorifying anything. And I felt like the way it was presented to somebody who's had experiences or even things that they can kind of relate to in that way, I think that would be so 
I don't, powerful to to be seen and understood in that way. So I felt like this was I was glad to have read it, and I feel like it really is is a valuable resource. So I would recommend it. it it's yeah, it sounds challenging, but good, very good. It was, would... yeah, it definitely was. Uh, number two, Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison, banned and challenged for LGBTQIA plus content, and because it was considered to be too sexually explicit. So always a always a theme mm-hmm. in these books, and that's uh, that's another one. The number one most challenged book of, of 2021. I said that like it was a fun thing. <laughs> I was like, the number one challenged book. <laughs> so with, with, the, with the appropriate somberness, the number one most challenged book of 2021, Gender Queer by Maya Kobabe. This was banned, challenged, and restricted for LGBTQIA plus content and because it was considered to have sexually explicit images. So this is a graphic novel, a graphic novel memoir. Um, award-winning graphic novel memoir uh and this in in new york specifically uh has had a lot of challenges and responses to it because of the way that it was promoted uh and then sort of like quietly like not promoted anymore so there was a lot of conversation about this book uh around uh new york libraries and things i have read this one have you i have yes what did you think i mean i enjoyed it as a memoir yeah and uh it's you know, I think these issues are important, and I—it was a perspective that, yeah, I'm—I'm I'm not as familiar with. So again, like we were talking about, you know, raising awareness and and trying to engage with empathy on these issues. And uh, I would say probably the biggest strength of it is talking about these kind of issues very matter-of-factly. I've never—I don't know that I've ever read a graphic memoir before, and so I feel like mm, the yeah. the pictorial depictions were more of the like textural flavor. I I'm more of a fan mm. of like finding unique and I I don't want to use the word flower, like but yeah, like you know, yeah. just to find unique ways to exemplify an experience. So I feel like in this yeah. one, it was more towards the pictures, and then I. Out of the actual text, I don't know if I got as much out of it as okay. I should have, but I did. I'm just I did making like a it. note. Ben prefers purple prose. <laughs> I've, got that. I've got that. I've got that written. That, down. I mean, uh, that's me that's you. not necessarily untrue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to fight that. Okay, okay. Let me hit you with the publisher's synopsis okay. here. In 2014, Maya Kobabe, who uses EMR pronouns thought that a comic of reading statistics would be the last autobiographical comic you would ever write. At the time, it was the only thing you felt comfortable with strangers knowing about him. Now, genderqueer is here. Maya's intensely cathartic autobiography charts their journey of self-identity, which includes the mortification and confusion of adolescent crushes, grappling with how to come out to family and society, bonding with friends over erotic gay fan fiction, and facing the trauma of pap smears. Started as a way to explain to her family what it means to be non-binary and asexual, gender queer is more than a personal story. It is useful and touching guide on gender identity, what it means, and how to think about it for advocates, friends, and humans everywhere. That's a pretty good synopsis of it. And one of the things I appreciated was some of the things that you touched on. It was just, it was a, a, a viewpoint and, and an experience that I just hadn't really thought about, didn't really know anything about. and. You know, I think I, I'm I'm a bigger graphic novel reader than you. You know, always have been. Comic books and things have been a big part of of my life always, and so I think that it was more 
I feel like I got it. I feel like I understood in a way that I might not have um, if it was just like prose fiction, you know? And so I think because of that, I really appreciated it. And it, and it really did kind of open my eyes to things that I hadn't really considered before, you know? And so for that, I was really appreciative of it. And I feel like the challenges and everything going around, the things that are said about it, I don't know, you know? I just feel like the point was to describe this person's experience and what they went through, you know? And I just feel like it succeeds in that so well. I, I don't know. I, it just, it continues to blow my mind why people don't get that. Like number one, challenging books is just gross. Like trying to ban books is gross mm -hmm. and dystopian. And like, even, even if that doesn't move you, even if like that doesn't change your mind about your approach, it never works. Like all you do when you challenge these things is raise their profile mm -hmm. and sell more copies. That's it. Like that's, that's what you accomplish. So, you know, in some ways I feel like the banned books list here is a good guide to find, <laughs> you know, new things that are out there that people are, are discussing things that are like, you know, stimulating a reaction in people. And that to me is like interesting and helpful and often informative. Yeah, I would. I would say one of the the drawbacks to raising the profile of a book like this, at least for me when I was a kid, like I got away with reading so much stuff that my parents didn't know about just because they didn't know. But right. once they knew about Harry Potter, it was like, no, it's off the table. So I think for That's specifically a, a book like this that, you know, deals so directly with with these very sensitive issues that are so personal that you know so many young people could be could be dealing with could be helped by you know reading this book yeah um just like having you know taking it off library shelves where like they can you know potentially go and and get out of the home and and read it away from their parents it's like yeah i, I don't know it's a whole yeah. other thing where yeah it is just it's such a weird mindset. It's such a weird approach. Like looking at this list, when I saw uh, Beyond Magenta, which was the number 10 here on the list, the first one that we talked about, it was such a like, oh, right. I remember that book when it came out a decade ago, you know, like I haven't thought about it since then, you know, but it came up and I was like, right, that book. So I just don't know, like, sometimes it's just weird to me, like people are combing shelves being like, oh, here's a problematic book. Let's raise this mm -hmm. profile. And again, I just feel like information and knowing these things that a, a lot of what these book covers really are LGBTQIA plus content. And that seems to be a consistent thread throughout here. I feel like what this does is stimulate conversation, conversations, hopefully in positive ways, you know, and I feel like reading a book that is challenging should always be like the start of a conversation, not the final word, you know? Absolutely. So I just don't, uh, I just don't get it. Looking over like challenged books from the past, uh, I know you said Harry Potter. Are there other books that come to mind as things that like you read maybe because they were challenged or brought to your attention in this way? Um, I know a contentious book in my house uh, was the The Witches by Rodal. Um, oh, okay, okay. So, um, yeah, that's. But I mean, it's so like whimsical, and you know what? Like it's. It, the whole yeah. it i think that was more of my parents thing than the general like mm -hmm. consensus at the time among conservative religious parents okay <laughs> um, i yeah I, always... I don't i don't know we were <laughs> uh, we were in china i don't know what to tell you about right right <laughs>
<laughs> it's um, so funny to think back about because like Harry Potter was one that was definitely like, oh, you shouldn't read that and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like an evil book. And even before that, I've talked about this before, but it cracks me up. I was allowed to watch I Dream of Jeannie, but was not allowed to watch Bewitched because she was a witch. And those shows are like the same show. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> you know, only I Dream of Jeannie is like more sexual. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's to me, like I Dream of Jeannie is more like weird male fantasy stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's funny the things that are and like Wizard of Oz, fine. Harry Potter, no. You know, mm-hmm. like it's just, what's what's the line that we're drawing so i don't know this yeah. year for like we've done a uh we always do a band books book club and in recent years we read uh to kill a mockingbird was a few years back last year was um i think it was brave new world we read brave new world in 1984 uh within the last couple of years and all of those were books that i hadn't read before mm-hmm. and uh i was reading them primarily because they were popping up like on band books lists and things um and i've all of those books that I've read because of that, I've just found really intriguing. Uh, this year, we're talking about The Handmaid's Tale. Like, that's the book club that we're doing. Uh, we're looking at, um, kind of like with the Discord book clubs, we're kind of opening it up. You want to come talk about the show? You want to talk about the original novel? You want to talk about the graphic novel? Uh, you know, that's what we're doing here this week. Um, and it, that was one that I had not read before. And it, you, have you, Handmaid's Tale? I, no, I have not read. I'm, okay. I'm a fan of, of Atwood, but I've only read a couple of her books. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's well, that's not on the list. I picked up the graphic novel for this and man, a a a difficult and upsetting read, particularly at the time that we're currently living in. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so crazy about a lot of these challenged books, you know, like 1984. Or I was say, the world. irony of trying to ban a book like 1984 is insane. I know. <laughs> I know. And especially like, I don't remember which one it was, Brave New World or 84. I think it was 1984, but there was a whole push to like squash science and there was like kind of a war on like science and truth and you were just supposed to like believe the party line and stuff and i was like how is this not written today and i feel like the same is true of the handmaid's tale when you see you know supreme court decisions and everything that are happening right now and then you read something like the handmaid's tale it's crazy to me that that was written decades ago and not as a response to the current moment in time and it just seems like this this stuff just kind of like keeps coming back and i feel like that's why books like that are so important because it can show you it can show you things you know it's the old cliche Mm -hmm. of like you don't know your history you're doomed to repeat it you know and i Mm -hmm. feel like some of the things that come out in those type of books are really like wow everything old is new again you know it's like Mm -hmm. this the same kind of stuff is happening in a cycle and it's uh you know i think that's i think that's the power of, of reading and reading some of these challenge books that you really kind of are shaken from perspectives that you held or things that you maybe thought were, you know, new or things that you thought, oh, that could never happen or whatever. And you see it expressed in different ways really can be eye-opening in a way that I think is necessary for like our future. Mm-hmm. What a wild, dumb thing. <laughs> this is uh this is my, this is my profound statement. I feel like the end of every one of these episodes, I just think this is so stupid. Like all the things that like that are out there that are challenging for us as like a society and the world, things that we have to like overcome, things that we have to work through together. This is what we're choosing to focus exactly. our energy yes, on. Exactly. It's like, come on, people, you know, drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. Uh, anything on the list here, Ben, that uh, you're going to push to the top of your list that you are going to read now that we've talked about it as a band book? 
Probably the one that sounded the most interesting to me was the Not All Boys Are Blue. Is that, yeah. that, that is what yeah. it's called? Yeah. That, yeah I love that, that title cool. so much. I know. Um, it is so, good. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely going to look into that. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, reading things on this look at list and looking to things looking at the things that are on the list just sort of like helped to remind me of the privilege I have as just like a straight white man. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it sort of feels like, I don't know. You just, you just see those kind of differences and you see those kinds of things where it's like things that I never will have to think about, you know, things mm -hmm. that will never be a challenge or a roadblock for me can just be the end for other people, you know? And I, hate that i well, hate I mean, that that's what our society is yeah i mean that's the best reason for these books to exist is for yeah, <laughs> yeah for for straight white men like us yes <laughs> um but i mean yeah just to offer the perspective that we don't have to we're, we're not forced to engage with on a daily basis yeah um, right right yeah and anything that pops up as like something that's uncomfortable or something that like you know, it's like you're supposed to just sweep it under the rug as someone else's problem or just like, well, don't be like that then if that's hard for you. And it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, it makes me mad and it makes me sad in equal parts. You know what? We should have planned something fun. We should have planned something <laughs> fun to get us out of this. Ben, do you got anything fun you can tell me about? Um. Well, before the call, we were talking about book to screen adaptations yeah i saw bullet train yesterday which i oh, didn't okay. realize was a book first until sure it is a movie. Yeah. um yeah. i i mean uh, my expectations were low but i really yeah. liked it okay um, i think because of that yeah uh the 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 ending's a little messy um <laughs> but it was it was it was fun it was a lot of fun very okay very much style over substance, but okay. Brad Pitt was great. And there's a lot of fun little cameos, and um, that there's two uh, two assassins played by uh, uh, Aaron Tyler Johnson and uh, Brian Tyree Henry. I, okay, might, yeah, um, and they they're twins, but uh, <laughs> okay, despite looking completely different, their sure, their rapport is is, is excellent. They were by far my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Nice. Um, okay. So yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I, okay. I had a good time. All right, that counts. I'll take that as a positive thing. Uh, looking ahead, I'm excited because my wife and I are going to see Rufus Wayne Wainwright in concert. So okay. pretty excited about that. Do you know him? Do you know his stuff? Uh, the cover of Hallelujah. That's about <laughs> That's it. That's true. He is he is famous for that cover of Hallelujah. No, we're going to see it in this place. We got cool seats. We've seen him once before we saw him up in a place in buffalo in an old uh church that was converted into a performance space so he did an acapella set that was just amazing so i'm looking forward to seeing that again so that's something that i'll put on my bright side optimistic side all right well ben uh i hope you have a happy oh, birthday do you uh do you have any fun birthday plans um yeah well so i sort of uh blocked out like a four-day stretch <laughs> wow look at you birthday week yeah, yeah yeah well uh you know it's it's fitting my style where it's like simultaneously low-key but i'm trying to you know yeah. do a few little things to make it special saturday i had um like a a little a virtual hangout with some friends that are you know in other countries that's cool um and yeah and then sunday was like the family time and then yeah yesterday was the uh, bullet train and and getting good Kore excellent korean food and nice 
so tonight uh, I'm meeting my sister and her boyfriend, and I think my brother's coming also, and we're going to go to a brewery and do trivia, and, and so that should be Wild fun. Wild times. We've got a brew fest coming yeah. up in Wellsville over in Island Park. They're doing like they're inviting a bunch of different breweries on October 1st. So we have like a, a okay. family event in the morning, and then the brew fest takes over <laughs> in the afternoon. For my 30th birthday, uh, we went to see the <laughs> Tom Cruise in the Jack Reacher movie, and nobody nobody liked it. Uh, all right, how do you feel going into your 30s, Ben? Are you feeling okay about it? I feel uh, still processing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like any any birthday where, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the extra pressure milestone. Um, yeah, but I mean, it it is. It's just a thing that I will have to deal with, but it's not <laughs> <laughs> so dark. That sounded so bleak. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, oh. I appreciate you taking time out on your 30th birthday to talk with me about banned books. Yeah, no, absolutely. Even though book banning is stupid. Yep. I always love being on the pod. <laughs> and thanks for all the music all yeah. the time every time i play one of these themes i'm like how does he do it how does he do it oh you guys gave me such a sweet shout out on the star trek episode i meant to message I... you about that that was lovely i appreciate that oh yeah any well it's true i mean it's just it's a it's a fact anytime i'm like hey i i need a jingle for this specific thing you're like do 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 you should be a jingle writer <laughs> uh as you yeah as you told me <laughs> yeah yeah, well, um, I'll write a review. I'll write a review. All right. Yeah, that. yeah, I will. Um, actually, yeah, I will have you heavily featured on my Fiverr profile. Perfect. I, I, I would be happy to do that. Actually, all right, could you gang. come in and, and go into some local Waynesboro businesses and just advertise? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll just show up and be like, I couldn't help but over here. I know the perfect jingle man. Let me give him a jingle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love, I'd love to be your jingle hype man. Absolutely, I will do that. No problem. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yes, you're welcome. Well, this has been a depressing but fun episode, Ben. Always good to see you. Uh, remember, everybody, you can rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We have just recently updated all of the episodes of the All the Book Show and House Things to the YouTube channel, so you can find all the old episodes. Lots of those feature Ben over the years talking about different things. Uh, don't you want to hear more of this sweet sweet voice of course yeah but that was 20 year old ben so there was okay. a lot more life in his in his you know there's a pep in his step are we so. are we pretending that <laughs> we pretending that my voice wasn't always like this you know <laughs> that's true that's yeah. the hallmark yeah it's a hallmark yeah. Of, yeah. of of all the magic that you bring yeah uh next next week on the episode kate and i are going to be interviewing winsome bingham winsome is the author of the picture book soul food sunday we had talked about this in an early episode earlier in 2022 and i got a cold call from winston bingham saying like hey i heard your episode thanks for talking about the book and i was like yeah while we're talking on the mm -hmm. phone will you come and do an interview and she was like sure so you can hear kate and i talk all about uh her book that's out and all those things she has coming up next time right here on house things Ben, until we meet again, happy birthday, my friend. Thank you very much. So long, everybody.